podcast 380, which is a bit of a landmark just by virtue of it having those digits 380, and it's part two of uh, a two-parter entitled It Only Takes a Minute Girl Part Two from the song by Tavares from 1975. And I had been talking about how... um, when I realized with Bishop Picard that uh, one wasn't allowed to say anything, and when I realized when I was talking to my clergyman friend uh, uh, six weeks ago that um, it was very clear that he was aware that he couldn't say whatever he wanted to say. It was just plain as day, uh, but it was it was under the table, and I agreed, so he would always say, well, no matter what side you're on, I've learned that. Um, and... Uh, and then when I was with these sex couples uh, in Birmingham, and um, the one unfortunate truth that I almost spoke and thought better of, uh, and this fellow who was a little less restrained said exactly what I meant to say, just obviously. Well, I just have, I feel, gosh, Paul is right, because, you know. And um, what the um, power of uh these half-truths. And this is what I want to talk about in part two. Earlier, I talked about the fear of saying what you really think, and that's just there. I wish it weren't, uh, and I'm right there with you in it. I do not say what I really am thinking most of the time, and when I have in the past, <clears throat> maybe twice, it's gotten me into trouble. Uh, matter of fact, Tullian, in a very lovely tribute recently, said that because I was so uh, unequivocal and uh, single-minded in talking about the grace of God to sinners that I um, died for it. I not only lived for that in my ministry, but I died for it, and he's right. I got unbelievable and ultimately malignant, malevolent, malicious attacks based upon that gospel. They always used to say, well, Paul, you're... you're, you're um, you're uh, long on grace, but you're short on law, and that was the worst possible thing that I could be, and I paid a terrible penalty for it, but here we are. But what I um, wanted to uh, say, when I heard um, this uh, bishop in Australia relying on Michael Lunig's um, kind of uh, commonly repeated aphorism Nothing can be loved at speed. And immediately, as I heard it, Tavares came into my mind. Immediately. It only takes a minute. Girl. I said, are you kidding? Nothing can be loved at speed. Yes, nothing can be loved over time at speed. And uh, the speed of an immediate insight needs to be worked out, where the speed of an immediate flash fire between two individuals has to be worked out, and the uh, an immediate gut reaction to something has to be <clears throat> sort of earthed and... Uh, uh, what's the word, um, consolidated and assimilated. But to say that nothing can be loved at speed, I my immediate thought was everything is everything worth having, everything worth loving is loved at speed. I mean, you tell me. It's just not true that nothing can be loved at speed because everybody loves at speed, especially if you listen to any rock and roll song. And I could sit here and li- list for you, I could probably list for you right off the bat 40, and if I had a little bit of access to my computer, probably 150, and I'm not exaggerating, songs that basically say, you know, boom, uh, what's really important happened in a, in a flash, in a moment, uh, and I saw everything. Uh, it, it was illuminated to me. And the truth of the matter is that the heart uh, just loves at speed, and that's my, my uh, the point of this podcast, is that the heart loves at speed. The head catches up, and as Ashley Knoll always says from Cranmer, um, the, the will and the head catch up. 
with uh, what the heart loves. And the heart is instant. That's an instant. Look, look, look at yourself. Just, just think of this. Uh, what decisions you were made, whether it had to do with where you're going to go to school, um, what kind of work you were going to do, <clears throat> what you wanted to study, <clears throat> the girl you wanted to marry, the guy you wanted to marry, um, the power of certain past experiences, the shock of a phone call that told you that um, someone you loved was dead, had suddenly collapsed at a garden party, went to a garden party, and love doesn't happen at speed. <laughs> uh, you Instantly, that people say, instantly my world changed. I, I met him and instantly my world changed. I got that call accepting me to such and such a program and instantly my world changed. I uh, heard that person speak. I heard John Stott speak, and instantly my world changed. We took my beloved friend Lloyd Fonville to hear John Stott once, and Lloyd was cagey about his Christianity. He'd grown up in it, and um, but but had had reacted properly, I'm sure, against aspects of the kind of formal Christianity he'd been brought up in, and he was not about to be um, suddenly whisked away into Christian conversion land by his old friend Paul and Mary uh, by listening to John Stott. But we sort of hoped he would. And we took him in that one moment, John Stott says, well, now I, he, who was, you know, he was the Billy Graham of, an, of, of the English variety. So he was much quieter in the way he would put it. But he said, now he said, everyone here, close your eyes now. And I want everyone who, who really feels after uh, the remarks I've tried to offer through the Spirit of God to, uh, if you feel like you would like to offer yourself to Christ Jesus, if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus uh, tonight, uh, raise your hand. Everybody close your eyes. No one will see. But if you really, this is what you really want for your life, to, to give your heart to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, the Savior, um, raise your hand. And I said, oh, shoot, I wish I'd never brought him here. We did the same to my wonderful old friend, David Ignatius. We took him to hear... Um, what was his name? Morris. He was the Bishop of Norwich. Morris something or other. Morris Wood. That's right. He was an old evangelical on the C of E. And we were in the Round Church in Cambridge, England. This is right after college. And I was with David, who was, I think, doing a Marshall Scholarship. And I was at St. John's Nottingham. And we took him to church at the because Morris Wood was preaching. It was a wonderful evangelical. He did the same thing. He said, now in the quiet of the concluding part of my sermon, if there is anyone who wishes to give their heart to Jesus Christ. And I said, oh, shoot. <laughs> He'll accuse me of manipulation. And it's so embarrassing. Um, but the point is, at some point in your life, that may happen. At some point in your life, you may be overwhelmed with the desire to say yes to God or to acknowledge the presence of God or to say, oh, I've made so many mistakes or help the old, you know, Bishop Jakes. Um, it'll be in a minute, Lord. It's only in a minute, Lord, when you finally say, help, help me, girl, because I'm going insane. You know, you'll, the voice of Eric Burden will come through you. Help me, girl. Um, and this is how it really works. Everything important comes at speed. Your heart works at speed. Again, I have to qualify that, that we da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But when it comes to the heart, everything is loved at speed. And what Michael Lunig is saying is simply false. It sounds good. Sounds wise. It sounds rational. It sounds well. He's, what he's doing is sort of trying to prevent us from, uh, you know, making our entire life around some sudden snap judgment or some 
instant coup de foudre. That's what he's trying to do to prevent us from doing that. And anything really worthy has to be marked by persistence and perseverance and uh, thoughtful, wise, radiocinative effort, persistence, etc., etc. And, and that's simply not true. I mean, it, 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 it's a fruit. Nothing being loved over the long term at speed is a fruit of everything that's important is loved at hyperspeed, at the speed of light. Boop! And that's really what I wanted to say. And um, I was talking to, again, I was talking to a woman, actually, she's a priest in, uh, in Georgia, believe it or not. And... Uh, I don't have that much time for her for all sorts of reasons that have to do with church politics and so forth. But she's in Georgia, and I and it has had a, a really a good a good pastoral career. And whatever I think has simply been rendered untrue by the facts on the ground. Many people have been helped by her ministry. Uh, but she said something so wonderful. She said, "You know, almost everybody has one thing. Almost everybody has one thing, and this is the thing that they're worried about. They have, they have one thing, and." Uh, that it's not two things or three. I mean, yes, there are four different things they wish they'd done differently, and six different people they wish they didn't know. And you and I have, I have, I can think of five different people I wish I'd never met. I once said that at a St. Albans class reunion. Do you have any regrets? And I said in, in, anonymously on a form, well, I wish I'd never run into that particular person. I, I think I was thinking of a bishop, but it might have been someone else, that particular person. And uh, it was sort of funny. Everybody laughed. Who wrote that? Because I actually said what people were thinking, but they didn't know it was me. But um, nevertheless, there's one thing, whether it's good or bad, that you'll be thinking about when you're dying. And, and remember what happens. Everybody knows this because it's when you've been sick, this has happened. They say, well, when you're just about to die, your entire life passes before you in an instant. Your entire life passes before you in an instant. And whenever I've been sick, and there have been a few times, and I've once when I was really sick, <clears throat> and I've talked to certainly many people who've been near death, and almost everyone says, all of a sudden, everything just passed in front of me from my earliest childhood memories to yesterday. Boom! Brrr. And, uh, you know, nothing can be loved at speed. Well, that's not what people say at the end. Everything just... Brrr. And often people's last words, not always, because sometimes people are taken by surprise. They're, they, 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 they're, they're not really... The, the last thing they say is not really the last thing they meant because they were taken so by surprise. They were trying to complete a sentence or they were pointing at something else that was misinterpreted because they weren't able to say everything that they meant, which was one thing, but it had two parts <laughs> or two installments like this podcast. And um, amazing. But when I was in the hospital, when I was a little girl, I, when one is very, very sick, it is amazing how it all passes in front of you. And usually one person, and in this case it was Mary, I was really sick at one point and really sort of giving up. I, I felt this, gosh, it may actually, you know, death may be real. It may, could it possibly be that, that this life as I know it is going to completely end in a, you know, sometime in the next few hours or something like that. And um, there was only one person I wanted to have with me and to speak to. One, not two. It happened to be Mary, by the grace of God. Uh, and um, could be the same with you. Anyway, my point is that the heart loves at speed. And um, that is true of God. That is true of your prayers. 
that is true of those people and those concerns that you have most on your heart. And we're now going to end with um, this two-parter, short second part, with a song that is in many ways truly ridiculous. It couldn't be more ridiculous from a certain point of view. Many of this uh, singers and composers' songs are ridiculous from a nothing can be loved at speed. And he often says, this singer, he could, he could have been the one that wrote nothing can be loved at speed. Nothing can be loved at speed, Natalie. Um, but what's wonderful about this speaker, this particular writer, he wrote in one syllables like William Cooper, one and two syllables, never more than one or two syllables. And uh, he usually says the obvious, that, that you would... So when I quote this song to people, they sort of, what? That's ridiculous. But actually, um, this could be what somebody was thinking about at the end of his life. And so I'm going to give you this incredibly insightful, and yet from a human point of view, possibly deeply ridiculous, and therefore true song. Love's been good to me, and I love you. End of episode 380. God bless you. I have been a rover. I have walked alone. Hiked a hundred highways and never found a home. Still Still and all I'm happy The reason is
Once in a while along the way Love's been good to me